continuing with the Dhamma talk given on Songkran, the uh, uh, traditional New Year. Uh, this is in the chapter called Practicing Dharma. So, uh, if you remember, uh, the last reading finished off with it um, saying, uh, There are those who say that doing good is not certain to bring good results. They may have practiced virtue, but not seen any good come from it. I practice virtue, so why can't I see any benefit? We can see plenty of people doing bad things and getting good results, and plenty of people doing good, yet still experiencing suffering. And then uh, I think I, I quoted the um, uh, the uh, Mahakama Vibhanga Sutta, the, the Greater Discourse on the Exposition of Action, of Kama, which is uh, Majima Nikaya Sutta number 136. Uh, so... Uh, that talks about how um, even though we might be living a virtuous life the the painful results of past actions can ripen uh, and also if we are living an unskillful life then the beneficial uh, results of past good action can be ripening so that's why it's uh, it's not uh, uncommon to see as Lumpur Cha uh, comments uh, I, you know, I'm practicing virtue, but I can't see any benefit. And I see people doing bad things. How come they are, they are still, uh, uh, say, not getting any, uh, not getting any kind of um, negative result? Uh, and so that uh, that explains that, or talks about that in in some detail. So to continue, this is true, but only in the way of wrong understanding. Insofar as it is wrong view, it doesn't actually accord with the truth. If we really see according to the truth, we realize that the Buddha's teaching is not something that changes. Whatever happens, the truth that the Buddha awakened to is something fixed and certain. The truth is always the truth. When it appears as untruth, that's because of the wrong understanding of human beings. For example, Mr. A might be arrested and accused of some crime. He's perfectly innocent of the charges, but he doesn't have any witnesses on his side. The police may bring forth a parade of witnesses to testify against him, while his only witness is his own awareness and integrity. In this case, he can't win. Because he can't prove the other witness is wrong, he ends up going to jail. Still, he is in the right, and it will only be his body that is incarcerated. His mind will not be locked up. If this happened to most of us, we'd probably feel wrong and get pretty depressed. But according to the Buddha, there's never any valid cause for feeling wronged. If such things happen to us, if we've not done anything wrong yet, uh, sorry, not done anything wrong, yet must pay a price and experience suffering, we have to place the blame on karma, our actions. Though we haven't done anything wrong today, we may have done so yesterday. If we didn't do it yesterday, we may have done it sometime in the past. We can conclude that we did something previously and thus have this experience in the present because of the principle that nothing happens without a cause. If there's no cause, phenomena do not arise. All phenomena appear due to causes. If we can always contemplate this principle and consider things in this way, our lives will be joyous. Uh, so this uh, is a, a, um, uh, an important principle um, and that uh, along with uh, what we experience being the direct results of past actions, either in the recent, the, in this lifetime, in the recent past, or this life, lifetime in the earlier, uh, earlier years, or in previous lifetimes, 
Um, I would say that's not the only cause of, of why things happen. The very fact of of being born, having a body, <laughs> is one of the causes for uh, for things to happen, for us to have illnesses and uh, difficulties and, and um, challenges in life. So certainly, what they call kamaniyama, the the third of the five the five niyamas, uh, which is the um, the law of cause and effect with respect to to personal actions, is also the uh, what they call um, utuniyama, which is the laws of physics and chemistry, bijaniyama, the laws of biology and the the living world, uh, chittaniyama, the laws of psychology and how the mind works, and then dhammaniyama, the law of how you know the whole structure of reality is is configured. So, uh, kamaniyama is not the only uh, the only deciding fact. Not to contradict contradict Lumpucha, <laughs> which I wouldn't want to do, but. Uh, it's it's not solely, I would say, the the result of personal action that is uh, contributing to what we and uh, what we experience, um, and that uh, there's a whole um, see array of causes. And uh, one of the four imponderables, uh, the achinteya, is all of the workings of karma. Exactly how everything fits together and how one uh, all the many contributing causes and possible effects. That come from uh, from a, uh, uh, the the field of action and experience. It, it's far too complex to to pin things down in a, in any uh, substantial and absolute way. So, any questions or comments, thoughts on that? We can be very superstitious about this, uh, and uh, and sometimes people are say disempower themselves by thinking that Buddhism is a, a teaching based on a kind of fatalism or determinism that because of this these causes then there's going to be necessarily this result um, but uh, I think that, again as I was saying a, a few days ago the the one of the central principles of, of Buddha Dhamma is that it's not a deterministic teaching it's not a fixed result to um, uh, or, or that uh, that sense of Things being preordained and predetermined, um, and uh, as the uh, the Buddha described it, he said some some philosophers would have this way of describing things that life is like a a ball of string that just you know it's a, a, a fixed ball of string that that unravels and then uh, it, it comes to its uh, its only single final conclusion uh, according to a, a, a preordained pattern and. Uh, the Buddha said, "If if uh, if there, everything was fixed, if there was uh, completely predetermined, then liberation would be impossible. Similarly, if there was no, um, if things were random, if there was no uh, effects of of, uh, pa- uh, of past actions and um, no uh, no effect of personal cho- you know, choices that are made, if things just happened randomly, again, liberation would be impossible." Uh, those are uh, uh, one expression of the two extremes of uh, things either pre predetermined or or completely capricious and completely random. But um, the Buddha said that uh, that at the very center there are the laws of cause and effect, and the choices that are made uh, make a difference, and that's why liberation is possible. And that um, the uh, uh, that is uh, one of the reasons why he he taught and encouraged the development of the the eightfold path as a the way to liberation that uh, 
that karma is not fixed, that it's not a, like a predetermined pattern. Even though there might be strong tendencies to head in a particular direction, like the karma of having grown up in England and speaking English, I'm not going to suddenly start speaking in German, since I can't speak German, <laughs> just other than a few words. You know, that, that, that's the, the, just the, the simple practical, I was there as part of Bijaniyama and, Kam, and um, Chittaniyama as well, the laws of biology and, and psychology, you, you're very unlikely to suddenly start speaking in a different language um, because of you know, just the laws of, of cause and effect. And so uh, I feel that's, that's helpful in terms of, of our practice. You can understand there might be strong tendencies in a particular direction, you know, certain currents, but um, it's not a, a fixed reality. So in that respect, I, I'm not going to randomly start speaking German, but if I wanted to, I could make the effort to learn German and to, and to speak it. So if I made that choice and put in the effort and took action along those lines, then things could go in that direction. And so that um, the, we have uh, the, that mixture of, of tendencies of one kind or another, recognizing then the, the ability to recognize what's skillful, what's unskillful, and then the capacity to make choices in the present. The, one of the tricky things then is how choice and volition relates to the principle of not-self, because it certainly feels like there's a me who's making decisions and a me who's experiencing the results of of those choices. But if you deconstruct uh, a, uh, a decision, then if you, uh, then uh, and it's it's explored, even though it can feel like I am deciding to say these particular words, <laughs> and or so or whatever it might be, that uh, that the uh, the anatomy of a decision, if it's looked at, every every aspect of it is not self. I would suggest so that there's. The, the attunement to a situation, like it's a Dhamma reading, so there's something to say, <laughs> there's words to, 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 uh, to share. Uh, um, there's a, the, uh, a sense of a meaning that wants to be expressed, like talking about how decision-making is not-self. Um, and then memory of how this has been explained in the past, the, the use of, of uh, language um, that is uh, available in, say, the English, uh, English language to to create a, uh, an, an image. Uh, the memory is not self. The um, mental capacity for, for language and thought is not self. Uh, and then the, um, uh, the sense of uh, attunement to the time, the place, the situation. Again, the kind of awareness uh, and uh, mindfulness is not self. And then the... Um, uh, the 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 body the uh, the tongue that are making the words rupang anatta the body is not self <laughs> and uh, uh, the um, uh, the and the the um, the sounds that are made the the actual use of the voice uh, that speaking uh, again is an a, an attribute of the body's activity the rupang anatta is not self and then again the 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 conceptual appreciation of are these words making sense or are they not making sense um, that uh, appreciation that those perceptions sanya anatta perception is not self so uh, you can explore it uh, uh, individually but uh, and it's uh, in a way one of the most uh, compelling aspects of ex- uh, of life that seems to really be a person that you, maybe we we hear a sound and, and you can recognize oh it's just hearing that that uh, 
that sound doesn't have an owner. That, uh, that the, the color of this carpet is not mine. It's perceived. It's not self. Okay, you know, a, a perception can be seen as not self, but a thought might seem to be more like it's it, it belongs to a person or it's it's my thought, my my idea. But then with insight, uh, meditation, and that that sense of a thought arising and passing away can be seen. Oh, it's just thinking. It's not. There's not really a thinker. And maybe emotions are even stronger that no i'm I'm excited or I'm upset or you know I'm angry or I'm afraid um, that that uh, emotions can seem more like uh, 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 they they are a self or they belong to a self, but again, if they, those are explored with insight, it can be seen oh this is just uh, angry feeling or anxious feeling or excited feeling arising and passing away, and this is not self. But in a way, right at the, at the very core, a decision really feels like there's a me who's making a decision. And also culturally and socially, you know, then uh, the society looks upon decisions and actions have, uh, as being belonging to individuals. This person is rewarded and praised for something that they did that's beneficial. This person is punished and put in jail for something that they supposedly did. <laughs> and that... Uh, so that that uh, uh, on a societal level, a social level, a human community, it, that we very easily assign action and choice to a, a person. But if you do a, a, do a little investigation, deconstruction, it's 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 intriguing to see every element uh, of of the whole uh, uh, say process. Every every aspect of it is not self. Just like with the body, you can feel like this is my body. You know, this is my voice. This is what I look like. You take all the pieces apart, and it's, and then the the, if you get down to a um, a chemical level, and here's the carbon, here's the nitrogen, here's the phosphorus, here's the the calcium, you know, here's the, uh, here's the iron, here, you know, here's the uh, the hydrogen, and and so on and so forth. And it's like, well, oh. <laughs> These are the elements that make up the body. They put them together and arrange them in a certain way, and they make person. But uh, in in and of itself, the the elements are are not personal. They don't have Ajahn Amaro written all the way through the calcium molecules or the the uh, the hydrogen or the iron. You know, the the my blood cells don't have you know property of Ajahn Amaro kind of <laughs> printed on them. So that uh, that. Uh, is it's is an investigation I encourage it to to, uh, to to do and to see. Oh, even though from the outside it looks like it's me deciding, kind of from the inside, <laughs> there isn't really a, a, a person who decides, and the the decisions are not uh, don't belong to a person, and the results don't. There's no person that they belong to either. It just really looks and feels that way. So any comments, thoughts? Yes, Nick. Could you say something about um, the Buddha as a Tathagata, in other words, um, an embodied not-self of pure awareness? Mm -hmm. Could you say something about his karma, consequences of his actions and words, and how they fit in from the perspective of not-self? I'm just curious in terms of... Because he obviously has an impact on the world. <laughs> and continues to, yeah. And continues to. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. It's um, in a way, uh, karma uh, and the the re results of karma vipaka is 
they sort of quote unquote accrue to a being as long as there is uh, the collection of attachments that form a being that 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 aggregate of aggregation of habits and attachments that um, that is the sort of uh, the, what is the cause of rebirth when the Buddha was asked what is it that carries on from one life to another uh, or what is it that supports a, a life, a jivita from one, one lifetime, when one life comes to an end and another one begins um, what is it, that, what's the fuel that supports that life, the Buddha said tanupadana, craving is the fuel so that uh, uh, in my understanding of it is that uh, so that uh, an enlightened being is taking action, but there isn't uh, a sense of of a person who's accumulating the results of those actions. It's simply that uh, it's called the karma that leads to the end of karma. So that the actions are being taken, but uh, they are. Um, and even though the world will say, "Oh, I'm grateful for the Buddha to the Buddha for giving these teachings," but that. Um, that's a, a, an idea in our minds. It's a mental image of the people who are doing the appreciating. But there is, you can't say that there is a being, some place that is uh, accruing the beneficial results of those actions. It's more, it's kind of out in the pool of the universal reality. Um, but also, the Buddha was very, uh, very clear about you. Know, you can't say that that a target is sort of becomes one with everything. Like, no, 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 no. It's like that's that's not. Uh, uh, I said being commensurate, commensurate with the allness of the all, which is an interesting phrase. So uh, to to say that when the the enlightened an enlightened one um, has become one with with all, it's like no, no, it's not. It's not the right way of configuring it. You, you know, that's still creating a subtle uh, imposition of the idea of self. And, uh, uh, and uh, essentially said, you know, the, the whole concept of a, of a living being, an, in, an individual, an entity, time, location, all of these don't apply. You know, one who has reached the end has no criterion by which they can be measured. That which can be spoken of is no more. Uh, you can't you say you cannot say they do they kind of do not exist quote unquote but when all modes of being all phenomena have been removed all means of speaking have gone too that's uh, in the buddha's uh, uh, instruction to upasiva in the sutta nipata so the um uh, that uh, as long as the Buddha, I mean, again, se- kind of second guessing the Buddha or <laughs> trying to I- imagine the Buddha's experience is a bit audacious, precocious, or pre- presumptuous. <laughs> but I've kind of, I've never been shy of being presumptuous. So um, it, uh, you know, action is being taken, and the mind is responding to situations, and and from the outside it looks like there is a Buddha or there's an enlightened being. But uh, I think as I was saying. Uh, the other day at one of these readings, there isn't really any such thing as an enlightened being. From the outside, it looks like this person is enlightened and that one isn't. You know, the, the, and that's a, uh, on the level of convention, that's a, a, a meaningful designation. But from the inside, there isn't a person that's be, that is an enlightened person. So if someone says, I'm an arahant, then, uh, then that's why we tend to you know, get suspicious <laughs> because it's taking that as like a personal attribute. 
It's like the, the awake mind knows the personal qualities arising and passing away and knows the responsivity of, uh, in terms of action and speech to different situations and uh, you know, the, the feelings of the body and the, the, the time, the place, the, the situation. But uh, f- I say internally there is the mind knowing those responses as they occur in an organic and natural uh, way and then the resources are called upon in terms of memory and uh, communication, in terms of employment of different modes of being strong or being quiet or being uh, humorous or, or being serious uh, according to the, 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 the living situation. But it's not, on, from the inside, uh, I would say that the, the Buddha or an enlightened being is not saying, oh, oh I will now crack a joke, or I, I need to get serious here, or um, that the, the mind isn't forming the, the present experience in terms of me here and the world out there. But it's, there's a, a, a responsivity that the, the jitta is uh, the, um, embodying uh, in relationship to the living situations and when the body breathes breathes out and doesn't breathe in again then there's there's nothing more that can be said about uh, that um, and, and you know the Buddha was very very resolute uh, in talking about what, when people say what happens to an enlightened being at the end of their life and he said you know happens doesn't apply being doesn't apply <laughs> Where does an enlightened being go? You know, going doesn't apply. Reappearing doesn't apply. Those all those words presume a reality that doesn't exist. So that uh, in terms of of the Buddha creating good karma by giving you know there's thousands of, of teachings and, and that, then I'd say yes, the, the ripples of that wholesome conduct that continue to reverberate through the world and very effectively and wonderfully, but. Uh, there, uh, there isn't a uh, a, 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 a a being in the ordinary sense of what a being is, where the results of all that goodness will will uh, reverberate or will will, will cluster. Uh, it's uh, it's like the um, <coughs> the 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 ripples have been sent forth. Uh, and that we're still experiencing that, but the um, uh, the the whole idea of a of a, a being that uh, is the owner of those or the generator of those or that which will receive the results of those that that doesn't apply anymore. Could one say that it's a manifestation of pure consciousness? Yes, yeah, I and mean, that's a, that kind of language Lumpur Sumato uses most of the time nowadays. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, but but uh, yeah, uh, you know, any languaging is going to be partially correct <laughs> or accurate. It's, uh, any languaging can only be uh, like a convenient fiction. It can't represent the picture completely. But it's but that's one of the extraordinary things is that through the use of the conditioned realm, the Buddha enabled beings to awaken to the unconditioned, and that through these you know uh, approximate. Uh, representations and half truths and symbols and similes and lists and different ways of of uh, configuring ideas and concepts and images, then it helps to catalyze the the, the mind of, of beings to awaken to the fundamental reality. So, it's extraordinary 
skill to to know that this is just conven- co- conventional and limited, and um, and uh, a, a partial uh, can only be a a, a, a you know a half truth or a partial truth, uh, but still <laughs> it can it can work. You know, it can have its uh, its very potent effect. You know, like a like a photograph. It's a photograph of a person. It's not a person, but we can see the picture. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, uh, I've, I've seen her before, and it's not—it's a picture. <laughs> it's not the person, but you—you—you—the picture is a, a close enough representation of the reality to have the that same kind of a, an effect. That's a key word: representation. Yeah, yeah. Representation. Okay. So to continue. To find people who really